everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Well, yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. Hold on to your butt. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 351st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, today's segment host, Ben, chats with Tom Jurassic about his Jurassic obsession. So what is the reason that Tom has become so obsessed with Jurassic, you may ask? Well, you're just going to have to listen to find out. And I think it's safe to say that Tom is certainly one of the most committed fans out there in the community today. So Ben is really going to get to the bottom of that obsession in today's episode. So stick around for that one. But before we get started, I'd like to take care of a little bit of quick business here. So over on YouTube last week, we did a live stream. We talked about Beyond the Gates, uh, the, the latest items that popped up featuring the super colossal Indoraptor and the, uh, what was it, uh, Camouflage and Battle Indominus Rex. Uh, we talked about those two things. We talked about pre-order struggles over at Target uh, because it seems like it's been a major hassle pre-ordering anything over at Target and then awaiting for those items to show up versus just buying them in stores when you see them first. Uh, so there's the, there was a lot of fun talk in that episode. We also uh, discussed some other uh, recent Mattel reveals, so definitely go check out that live stream. Uh, a ton of people have been watching that one. Uh, we also unboxed a wonderful box from Toy Monster International and Playwise Partners. They were kind enough to send over the latest captives, hatchling buildable dinos, and they are super cute. I think I like these even better than the uh, regular captives, uh, you know, they, uh, we've been opening up all these mini captives dinosaurs for a while now, and this time around, they're a little bit bigger, and they're more like a hatchling style, and I absolutely love them. They are super cute. My son and I opened them up on the, uh, on our, our YouTube channel, so definitely go check out that video, um, up on the page now. I put up, uh, like, a TikTok, some Instagram posts, all kinds of stuff related to those hatchable, or hatchling buildable dinosaurs, so definitely go check them out, and thank you again to Toy Monster and to Playwise Partners for sending those our way. Now, this week on the channel, we've got some merch hunts coming up. We've got some unboxing stuff coming up. We've got a live stream. Who knows what we're going to talk about on the live stream this week? I never know. We'll make it up as we go along. We'll figure it out. But uh, I did want to shout out to my other podcast, Grim Grinning Hosts. Uh, go check out that one if you want to learn a little bit about theme parks and pop culture and all kinds of fun stuff like that. This past week, or this week, we talk about uh, my trip to Walt Disney World. Um, we talk about going on Tron and other things. And then we talk about uh, Super Mario World, uh, which is uh, you know out in California right now. And uh, my co-host had a chance to go visit that. So we talk about those two things and had a great time. So definitely go check out Grim Grinning Hosts. The link will be in the show notes. Also wanted to shout out Tom Jurassic's other series that is currently airing on our uh, podcast feed. 
Tales from a Jurassic World. Episode 2 just dropped last week, so I hope you check that one out. So far, uh, we've got Episode 0, which was a while back. We got Episode 1 a few weeks ago, and now Episode 2. And then Episode 3 will be coming next week, so keep your ears and eyes peeled for that one. I love this series. Tom and everybody did a great job, so I hope you've been listening along there and also watching them over on Tom's YouTube channel. So I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. But that about does it here for the intro. I am excited for you all to hear Ben and Tom's chat. So without further ado, let's get this episode kicked off by diving into Tom Jurassic's Jurassic Obsession. And there's no doubt our attractions will drive kids out of their minds. And not just kids, everyone. Beautiful and brilliant and powerful and funny and generous. The queen, goddess, my inspiration. Yeah, I'm living the Alan Grant life. What? No, nothing. I just, just like listening to you. So. Hi everyone, before we jump into today's episode, I'd love to get you all involved in this new segment by asking you one of the questions I ask my guests each week. You can send your answer by recording a voice note and then send it to jurassicsitebb at gmail.com and I will add your audio to the next episode of Jurassic Obsession. So today's question is, what is your earliest memory of Jurassic Park? Hello and welcome to Jurassic Obsession on the Jurassic Park podcast. In today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of chatting with someone known by so many in the community. My guest seems to be everywhere, all the time, with everything Jurassic. As both a major contributor to the Jurassic Park podcast and a lead reviewer on Jurassic Collectibles, he also works alongside other Jurassic Park licenses such as Jurassic World, Evolution, Jurassic World Exhibition and Camp Cretaceous. Not to mention being a great guy, and a big support to me in my Jurassic endeavors. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Tom Jurassic. Hi Tom, how are you doing? Hey Ben, I am very well, and thank you for the very kind introduction. That was lovely, and I am very excited to be here. Excellent, so let's just jump straight into it. Um, I wanted to say first that I really enjoyed your latest um, review on Jurassic Collectibles, looking at the JP3 male Raptor. Oh, it does yeah. need some, some work on the quality control, but um, yeah. I'm pleased. Yeah. I'm pleased to get JP3 items. I was so excited to have that raptor in hand um, and simultaneously so upset with the face. And there's a funny story behind that because Connor Ontology actually um, imported two. So he imported one for me and one for him. And I was like, (laughs) Connor, I'll do the good deed. I'll take the one in the box. It looks broken because I'll be reviewing it on the channel anyway. And then he opened his, and the other side of his that you couldn't see in the box was also warped. So we both oh, ended it? up with lopsided grinning raptors. Right, okay, so you've got a side each. Yeah, <laughs> between us, we've got a complete raptor. I was I was just about to say, well, that's good to know that at least one of them came out good, so maybe yes. it was a glitch, but it sounds like they've all got a problem. They do, but Connor said the rubber band trip of um, wrapping a rubber band around it really tightly seems to fix it. 
So I need yeah. to try that at some point. Yeah. Like you said, maybe a bit of heat on it or something like yeah. that. I'm not sure. Yeah. I just wanted to um, jump into the first question. So it's really exciting at the minute because we're in the, in the 30th anniversary yeah. uh, of Jurassic Park. I wanted to get your thoughts on the product releases that we've had so far. Um, as it happens to coincide with this recording, the Lego <laughs> stuff that's just come out today. So yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. It's almost as if they knew we were recording today, Ben, and they went, do you I know. know what? We're going to show the Lego. Uh, <laughs> I, I literally had this it, with the last um, episode I recorded with um, David at Chastic Collectibles. We did the, it was just as the uh, 93 Beyond the Gate yes. stuff dropped. Yeah. Literally the same day. So maybe each time I record, we're going to just get another drop. So I'll just can, keep can going you, forever. Like, and then we're going to run out of stuff. That would be amazing. If you yeah. can do them like every week, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. So, um, what are your thoughts on the Lego stuff? So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the Lego stuff looks really cool. Um, I definitely think there's some sets that are stronger than others. Um, the Brachiosaur set, for example, I think that's a really, really cool thing to see Lego uh, attempting to do, albeit at a smaller scale. I actually really love the Visitor Center, even though it's um, a lot more condensed than I think people would have wanted. I think it looks so cool. Um, and the fact that it's got the mural inside in Lego format is just incredible. Um, yeah. And I, th I think in general, there's a lot of love in that Lego wave, which looks really awesome. Um, and I, I think it sort of follows everything else that we've seen recently. So obviously you mentioned the 93 line. Um, and I think that line from Mattel looks incredible. I love so much the fact that they didn't just go back to classic toys, but they also took concept art from toys that never existed. I think that's such a cool move to kind of give yeah. fans something 30 years later. Is It's just so cool. Um, and then obviously what I've got in front of me on my desk at the moment, and I've been releasing a few pictures with this week, are the Captives line, um, which oh, yeah. will hopefully be coming out in the UK at some point in the future. Um, and it's just, again, a really cool line where there's a lot of attention to detail. Um, so I think to sum up sort of all of the JP30 offerings, not just the Lego, but everything else that we've seen, it's been so cool seeing this uh, sort of like assortment of merchandise that really embraces the classic nostalgia for the first film. Um, but also feels like it really is a homage to the fans and it's a homage to the things that fans are looking for. It's not just sort of lip service. It feels like a lot's been done to ensure that what we're receiving in these assortments is genuinely stuff that fans are going to get excited about. Um, and I think that's what excites me. I really hope that we're not at the sort of apex of this yet. I really hope that there's more to come because I think that everything we've seen so far has been really awesome. So I'd love to get even more. Yeah, I hope it keeps building as well. I have to say, I, you know, all, all of the things I've seen so far, even if it's not necessarily something I would collect, the, yeah. the, the attention to detail is really there. I, I mean, I feel look like at the soap, right? Properly got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, the, the way they did the box and everything is crazy and it's soap. Like, how? How how does soap look that good? Yeah, I know. They've <laughs> how does how does it look that good? That that <laughs> should be the tagline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love the attention to detail that they've gone for. Right from the I like the logo because they've gone OG with the Jurassic Park yeah. logo, and I love the banner that they've they've put in the the classic banner at, from the end of the first film there with the Jurassic Park thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, uh, I just think it it's such a 
nice way to sort of lift the existing Jurassic Park logo. Uh, does feel very nostalgic. But like looking at these Lego pictures, I've got them up in front of me here. Yeah. For example, the Brachiosaurus tree there. Love the fact that we've got the broken egg at the base of the tree. Yes. So you can reenact that scene. And then we've got um, other little details like the, the baby raptor egg that comes with the raptor cage. Yeah, um, it's so you cool. Know, They've thought about, I think they've really, you know, it's a nice touch with the dino poop as well. Things like that. Oh. That's, all, that's all good fun. <laughs> My favourite thing I have ever seen, Ben, is the fact yeah. that there is a play feature which lets you find West Indian lilac berries in the dino poop. I know. I mean, <laughs> what is going on? It's, that it's... is a sentence I've just said. I never thought I would say that. <laughs> no, I, I never thought I'd hear anybody say that. So it's a first for me as well. But yeah, I just think they're so cool. And those captive cards, like you say, some of the artwork on there is just fantastic. Yeah, um, Jaroslav knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. I mean, it really is, it's really top-notch stuff. And some of the images, you know, of, of cards that we've never, you know, some of the dinosaurs like the Spinosaurus on there and things like that, it's just, it's, it's really nice to see. And they're also, even though it's JP... 30 we're getting stuff from the other movies as well yeah which is nice to see they've kind of like included everything in that almost like 30 years ago is when it begun and they're sort of picking out the highlights from all the different movies so it, yeah. it's really good to see is there I anything think... else you'd like to see in particular come along the lines yeah yes so a hundred percent um i think this year is the year for mattel to do a command compound um right. I could see it being... So the the way I see it working, and this is potentially a controversial suggestion because not everybody likes this model, um, but I think they should do it in the way Hasbro does Haslab, where they will start a crowdfunding campaign and it's not something like Kickstarter where you don't get your money back if the product isn't funded. If the product gets enough funding, they will make it. If it doesn't, they will give you your money back. Um, and that would be a great way to gauge genuine community interest in a product like a command compound and actually give it to us with the scale, the detail and the depth that we want without having to sacrifice on anything. Um, and I just think there's so much potential for that. You know, fans have wanted more fences in the three and three quarter yeah. inch line for some time. Um, we were really lucky last year, actually, to get the... Um, sort of compound breakout set with the Biosyn Watchtower, um, which is a really awesome set in itself. But having more generic fencing would be awesome. Um, and equally, you know, a set like that could easily address some of the characters that are missing in the line. Why not do a command compound that comes with an exclusive packing of Hammond Collection Henry Wu or another character, another dinosaur? I think that 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 for me is my biggest, like, item that I would love to see. Um, in terms of other things, I'm kind of, I'm not sure. I'm quite curious in terms of apparel as well, actually. Um, and whether there's going to be any cool, like classic t-shirt designs, those types of things, I think are always quite nice to see as well. And I know that in America, at least, um, Universal have been running the Jurassic World t-shirt club where you can get a t-shirt a month through subscription on Amazon. So I mean... I'm interested to see if they do anything else like that and if they embrace sort of that classic iconography and classic brand guidelines for some of their uh, apparel going forwards as well. Yeah, that would be cool. Going back to the compound, the, yeah. the funding idea is a good one whereby you get your money back or your money goes into it if they build it. 
Because I think it, it makes so much encourage sense, people. Yeah, I, it's a bit r- r- more risk-free for people, isn't it? Exactly. And I think there's a really interesting model there where also, um, and I don't quite know how Hasbro did it because I think there were a few excess razor crests when they made that set and that were available to sort of like general stores to buy and sell. But the idea with a crowdfunder is you're making exactly the quantity that people request as well. So it adds that sort of level of collectability to it because you know that you're getting one of X number of collectibles that's going to exist. Obviously with, um, say, Kickstarter, for example, The Legend of Isla Nublar, that you get an exclusive version of a product that's then going to go to mass market so they could do it that way. But I think it just gives them the flexibility to do either or. So they could develop a product that will go to mass market afterwards or they could do something more exclusive. But the idea is they have the infrastructure in place. They can use Mattel creations to do something like that. So why not do it, take advantage of that platform and use it to give fans something that they really want and actually give every fan a chance to get it because Mattel creations, you can support international collectors as well. Um, it really is a win-win in my opinion. I think a lot of people would go to for it, to be honest with you, because, you know, they collect almost everything in their toy collections at least would would go with it would work with it yeah and it would be so cool to get some pro- you know with the technology they have now for, for these toys and the high detail that they can achieve it'd be fantastic to get some og electric fencing for example it you know, would with be the concrete awesome. wall and the and the lights the blinking we do they don't need to blink necessarily but the lights <laughs> on there and everything else it would just be really i think it would be excellent to be honest with you and it'd be taking it right right back to the beginning really wouldn't yeah. it yeah so I yeah. think it's safe to say I've sold you on my idea. <laughs> no, I th- I'm, I'm in. I'll, I'll invest. <laughs> cool. It's got, Thanks, mate. It's got to be done. So, so what's Don't your read earliest... the small print. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> what's in the terms and conditions? <laughs> Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> fair enough. There's something about transferring ownership of a Jurassic Park Jeep somewhere. <laughs> oh, is there? All right. I, may, maybe, I, maybe I should invest somewhere else. <laughs> you need to pump the tyres up first. It's been sat for a while. It's not going anywhere at the minute. <laughs> I need to. I need to. Honestly, I need to do some some stuff with it. It's been winterized and under a tarpaulin, and um, yeah, it's it, it's got a fabric roof, so the the moisture and everything gets in. It's got fabric seats, so you can imagine it gets pretty oh, messy. Yeah. So yeah, it's due a sort of March, April mega clean. So it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna happen shortly. It's got to come out for JP thirty. Yes, so, it does. Uh, it's got, it does. Got to get it back on the road. What's your um? What's your earliest memory of Jurassic Park? Okay, so this is an interesting one because I know that I watched the films at some point after Primeval came out, but I think my earliest memory um actually connects more to Jurassic World, and okay. why I say that, I mean with Jurassic Park specifically, I know that I watched it. And then The Lost World and then Jurassic Park 3 in quite quick succession. Um, And I think for me, the thing that I remember about Jurassic Park is that T-Rex breakout sequence. um, And being so impressed um, at the use of practical effects. Because my sort of onset onto Jurassic really came at a time when I was at college. Um, And I know I've spoken about this on, I think even a show that we've done before. Um, but I was studying creative media at the time, so I was really into cinematography, really into film and sort of understanding the filmmaking process. Um, and as a part of that, 
obviously you learn about practical effects, you learn about VFX, you learn about doing things in camera. Um, and I remember just being so fascinated by the way that they had achieved the combination of practical and VFX in that sequence. Um, but I, I think the thing that always stands out to me, and this is a, a very nerdy filmmaking detail, but it's the use of lighting and the use of darkness in that sequence to really mask VFX and practical effects and blend it together so seamlessly. And that's something that I think is a, a really good case study for how if you're using a practical effect where you're not fully convinced that it's going to be um, visually immersive to the level that you want it to be, you can use your lighting to mask it. And that's actually a really powerful technique to get a lot more out of props that maybe don't have the uh, visual fidelity that you would otherwise be looking for. So that that that's really what stands out for me with Jurassic Park. And then obviously I've said before, the big sort of onset for me with the franchise was then Jurassic World and all of the viral marketing and everything. But I think Jurassic Park, for me, the thing that stands out is the fact that it has that high-level cinematography that stands the test of time and shows how much craftsmanship went into the development of the film. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's a, it's a masterpiece, like you say, of blending, um, yeah. how they go between the different techniques. And it's, I mean, it stands up brilliantly now, but at the time it was literally seamless. I mean, we, I, nothing had been seen like that, not, not to yeah. that level. Um, and just how clever it was that they used so little actual dinosaur footage um, exactly. in a dinosaur film really I, I, it was a it was a masterpiece i think you've kind of answered my next question which was what was the first jurassic film you watched in the cinema so my to, oh, yeah. to to say that's probably jurassic world yep so it was jurassic world i think i saw it five times in the cinema um right. and i was just so improved and encapsulated in the world of jurassic world um, and I think that was because I really got into the um, Isla Nublar virtual or viral marketing website they had that presented Isla Nublar as a actual location that you could go and visit. Yeah. And I remember every time I was watching the film, it would get to that scene where Grey opens the hotel room door and looks out across the balcony. And I'd kind of like look across the park and be like, oh, I can see that location now from the website. Or there's that. Um, and that really just immersed me in that world. And I think the reason why I saw that film so many times and why I, I'm, I'm so grateful that that was the first Jurassic film I saw in cinemas is because it really is a masterclass in terms of the marketing and the filmmaking of how you can make a, um, a fictional world feel really immersive and lived in and sort of build out lore around the world through the marketing that you produce as well. So that sort of really captured my imagination. And it's interesting because it's not the field of work I've gone into per se, but that's always been a big creative inspiration for me in terms of a lot of the work I do, a lot of the ideas I have around the day-to-day -day marketing I do now is actually how do you do stuff that's creative and immerses people so there's a sense of narrative to the way you market things that complements the product you're marketing as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you did that with those series of um, um, stories that you recorded up for the Jurassic Park podcast leading yeah. up to, say, Dominion, for example, um, just to sort of expand the world. Yes, yes, and that is uh, potentially the idea for Tales from a Jurassic World as well, then. 
Um, right, okay. Let's just, because I'm getting into a habit of doing this now, um, I will say to you, <laughs> did you ever wonder how those pteranodons got loose in Las Vegas in the first place? Maybe no, you I will didn't. find out in that audio drama. Right, okay. Well, there's a spoiler for everyone right now. <laughs> hey, I, I said maybe. I didn't say definitely, right? <laughs> I, I can imagine with your with the amount of uh, content you create for the Jurassic Park community, um, Tom, I, I, can, I, I reckon that's a sure thing coming down the line. What do you think? <laughs> I would not care to comment into this moment in time any further for risk of incriminating oneself. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's <laughs> let's go back to the questions in that case. So what was the first Jurassic Park specific item that you owned? That is a really good question. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, should I say? Do you know what? I think I'll go with Jurassic Park because I think, and I have to really think about this now actually, um... Okay, so it's potentially three things, and I don't know which would have come first. It will either have been some of the Fnatic merchandise. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's loads of fantastic Fnatic merchandise out there, and I think this would have been around the time they first started doing their park tickets, way, way back. Um, well, actually, funny you should mention that. Just on the subject of Fnatic, they, I know you did an article up on the Jurassic yes. Park podcast. They've done some, they've done some, going back to the 30th anniversary, they've they've really, I, I love the stuff they've done, to be honest it's with really you. It's really cool. I've actually pre-ordered the ticket. Yeah, it's really awesome. And um, they did, so the tickets are something that actually goes all the way back to the 25th anniversary as well. That's yeah. when they really first started doing them. And actually, it will have been those that were one of my first Jurassic Park specific items because that was five years ago. So that was about when I was first getting into the franchise back in 2018. Um, well, no, it would have been it would have been 20, way before then. 2015, actually, it was Jurassic World, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. So it, it would have been at some point after that. Um, so the gold was the gold ticket the 25th. I think it was. Yeah. 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 I have that. So I just figured this one's really. It, it, perfect companion piece for it because obviously the gold one's gold shiny and new and it's like opening weekend yeah whereas this one's with it saying 30th anniversary on it and it, it's being sort of it's colored down isn't it they've it you is, know it's yeah. like a bronzy coppery type of look on the ticket it's like it's an aged version of the same ticket almost it's really so, cool isn't it the yeah, like, just, parity in the design work yeah it's nice and I, I like the other bits they've done is it what's it called an ingot is it of the yes. um the swing logo from the from the jeeps as well yeah. that's a nice touch i like all the guidance on the back of it as well yeah yeah that's really fun i bet they had some fun creating that stuff yeah actually. i think they did i think their team's massive fans so going back to your your, your first item then you say it was um one of the fanatic bits yes so it was either one of those it could have possibly been the Lego Jurassic Park set based on the control room. Oh, yeah. Um, or I'm trying to think when the 25th anniversary was. The 25th anniversary was before Fallen Kingdom, wasn't it? Uh, so what are we now? So we're 30 this year, 23. So what's that? 2018? 18. So it would have been around the same time. Yeah. Int okay, interesting. So the... Again, this is me going down memory lane, so I hope you guys are enjoying listening to me really racking my brains. Um, so it could have been the Legacy Collection JP Jeep then, 
Or, right, okay. and what I think it potentially was, is the t-shirt I'm wearing right now, which is the Jurassic Park 25th anniversary t-shirt with the 25th anniversary logo on it. Um, nice. And I got this as a part of their Tongle competition they did, where they got fans to submit different clips. I submitted a video clip talking about... I remember that, yeah. Um, yeah, why I love Jurassic Park so much. And I think... I don't know if that was ever actually released or if I was a runner-up or what. Can't even remember at this point in time. Um, <laughs> but I got a T-shirt out of it. So the, this T-shirt is potentially my first Jurassic Park item. Um, but cool. needless to say, I, I, as is obvious to everyone, I've really started with Jurassic World and then I've accrued the kind of older, more nostalgic collection as we've gone. So I've got Kenner figures now. I've got some classic memorabilia now and that's sort of building out... Um, a little bit. So one thing I will share very quickly, Ben, because I realise I'm waffling on about lots of different things. No, you're um, okay. Is I did actually just add one of the original um, model kits that came out between Jurassic nice. Park and The Lost World. I got the model kit of the Stegosaurus, which was gifted to me by Sam Phillips when I saw him a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, that's a so great gift. That is in the collection though as well. Yeah, that's that is a, that's a very cool gift, and it's, it's a really great piece. Awesome. I mean. That's proper. It really does feel nostalgic. That one. Yeah. Um. I'm, I've got the the dinosaur. Uh, sorry, Dilophosaurus spitter box just up on my shelf here as well. Oh, um, wicked. Box is a bit battered, but it's all still in the cast in the mold inside the thing, ready to be done. I, I keep toying with whether or not I should break it open and decorate it and do it, or um, or just leave it in the box. <laughs> Collector's it's the dilemma. constant fear, isn't it? Of if you I open know. something, and that's it. It's it's yeah. quite finite. Once you open it, something, it's not wrapped in the film, so I feel like it's kind of already open. So I'm kind of talking myself into into You're finding giving yourself doing a it. reason. Yeah, giving myself like a reason. It. So, so what's the your most treasured item? It doesn't have to be a toy. It can be a T-shirt. It can be a model. It can be anything at all Ooh. in your entire Jurassic Park Stroke World collection. Am I only allowed one? I'll, give you, I'll, let, I'll let you have two. I'll tell you what, I'll let you have one Jurassic Park item, one Jurassic World item. Oh, okay. So this is going to sound really, really cheesy. Um, but I think it's... I don't think I can choose one of each. Go on because then, just... I, So I, I could talk you through, and I think the things that always matter the most to me... I'm not like the kind of person who's a prolific collector in the sense of I really want to track things down. Um, the things that will matter more to me are things that have got some kind of personal value behind them or something where somebody's been really kind about something. So I can give you a really good example, um, which is I have the classic Kenner Dilophosaurus, um, the first spitter, which was given to me by a lovely person called Joseph at the initial Jurassic World Evolution meetup I hosted in London back in like 2019 and that has a lot of value in my collection because I know that that was a really really kind gesture and that yeah. he enjoyed that meetup so much that he wanted to give me that um equally with other people who have gifted me things um like, say, for example, Visitor Centre Blueprints, or to give you another really nice example, um, David, when we finished production on Jurassic Park and Rec, he actually sent me the little glass that's used in the introduction of that series 
it on a Kenner oh, card nice. back that he made for it. Um, so I have that cool. as a little display piece. So I think it's it's things like that that really resonate with me. Actually, it's not necessarily something that's got an insane amount of value attributed to it, but something that has got personal value for it. So obviously, like a lot of the things I get from Frontier, for example, as well, I I'm lucky enough to have what I feel is quite a good relationship with their influencer team. And I actually really value the relationships with those people and how supportive they are. So those are the sorts of things that I think are um, most prolific in my collection. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really great answer. And it it kind of brings it brings me right back to the, the whole idea behind this segment is it's the community and the, the you know, yeah. our Jurassic obsessions we get to share with each other and that is such a, a exactly. nice thing. It's a it's a great answer. For example, I'm looking up at the the uh, die cast Jeep that you sent me. That's one of my yeah. treasured possessions. <laughs> that was a, a really lovely um thing gift to receive. So, you know, that's on my Good. my shelf up with my other sort of treasured collectibles. Um and also David sent me I have the clever girl uh, Iron Studios of Muldoon being attacked by the Raptor. Oh, wicked. Yeah, and it doesn't come with the the gun. Uh, so he had a he had one molded for me um, by somebody that makes them to scale and sent that to me. So it's little things That's like so that cool. that it's just it, it's really nice. It makes it it makes your collection more just things on shelves. They've got meaning behind them, so it's lovely. Yeah, exactly. And I I will say actually here, I think it's really really important for me to shout out Tim at Collect Jurassic, um, and also Connor as well, um, because Connor will hook me up with stuff when he imports stuff and he's really cool about doing that um to like reduce costs and things and yeah. tim like t- tim is just incredible so i can give you an example right now i have a box sitting with tim that has the hammond collection concavenator the hammond collection and kylosaurus the ellie getaway pack robert oh, Muldoon, nice. ray arnold um some random halo stuff in it and a few other bits and pieces and he will just hold stuff for months for me. And he's so good at shipping stuff to me and just keeping me collecting and helping to make sure that I'm collecting. And I think that that's a big part of um, the Jurassic obsession as well. There you go. I said the name for you, Ben. Oh, brilliant. Um, it is Hashtag actually... Jurassic obsession. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think it's, it's so much the, the networks that you form around that and the people who you collect with and the conversations you have that like tip-offs you give to each other of this is where you can find this all of that stuff really helps to shape it as well i feel absolutely i completely agree and i mean he does a great thing for you there collecting up those bits yeah. particularly with being over in the states with them getting different stuff to us um yeah you know it's a really generous it's a really kind thing to do um I, uh, honestly i look at my shelf and i can see biosyn helicopter which i have because of tim the uh Biosyn Jeep Gladiator, which I have because of Tim. Yeah. The Dilophosaurus, which I have because of Tim. Alan Grant from the Hammond Collection, which I have because of Tim. Mesoratosaurus, just so much stuff that he's helped to hook me up with. Definitely. And I know Connor um, sent you some of the JP3 concept Lego stuff as well recently, didn't he? Yes. That that was really awesome. They're really cool sets. And that's what's so nice for me as well, actually, is actually getting to embrace other bits of nostalgia and other people's bits of nostalgia and also getting to share sort of like off branches of this 
uh, collection with people as well. So to give you an example, a while back on uh, Jurassic Collectibles, I did a review on an old Primeval set that I'd picked up on eBay. Yeah. And did, like that kind of stuff where you get to go off and say, hey, this isn't quite Jurassic, but it's still dinosaurs. Why don't we check that out? I think that stuff is so much fun as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I wondered, how did you get involved with the JP podcast and how did you feel when you first reviewed on Jurassic Collectibles? Yeah, so they are two really great questions. Um, Jurassic Park podcast, I think I just asked Brad if I could send a segment in for him to air and I think he felt pity for me. So he was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll put this guy on the airwaves. Um, and <laughs> I've gone back and listened to my original episodes and they're pre pretty interesting. It's just me rambling to myself about random topics and wanting to shout about my opinion and hoping that somebody would listen um which is you know it's what we all want to do deep down right yeah absolutely um, we, we can all talk so, jurassic till the cows come home we can <laughs> um but yeah i i think that you know really me being a part of the podcast is fully credit to brad um i know we've spoken about it before but brad is so welcoming to anyone who wants to get involved and share 100%. content and he just lifts people up and wants them to get involved in things. So really, the, the reason why I'm involved in the podcast and why I keep doing it today is Brad, because he's such a pleasure to work with. Um, and he's so passionate about this IP and about um, getting different voices out there into the community as well. Um, and then Jurassic Collectibles is an interesting one, because I had done YouTube in the past. I think I started doing YouTube when I was around 15. Um, so if you dig really deep, there's some videos of Tom pre-puberty out on the internet somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for, for me, I can remember I felt quite a bit of pressure initially actually joining the channel because I'd watched David's videos for so long. Um, and it's so funny because you look back at our Facebook history and there's actually messages from me to the Jurassic Collectibles Facebook page asking about buying one of the Lego Jeeps that he was selling that he'd done a review on. Yeah. So that was our first, like, interaction where I was like, oh, I don't think I have the money, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then to, to go from that interaction um, to making videos was quite a surreal experience. And I, I knew that Jurassic Collectibles is so loved within the community um, and especially with older fans for the way David so perfectly captures nostalgic products and his genuine passion and enthusiasm for them yeah um so it was quite nerve-wracking actually joining the channel but david has been absolutely fantastic and he he really put any of that anxiety to the side and you know i did a few guest videos then we developed things further um and eventually it got to the point where he asked me if i wanted to become a co-owner of the channel which was incredible um, and something I, I think I've spoken about briefly in the past before, but I always really think it's important to highlight is how incredibly generous David is in terms of his collaboration. He will absolutely make sure that everything is fair, everything is equitable. He never does anything so he benefits from it and you don't. He's always about making sure that whatever work you put in, you get stuff back out of it. And it's the first... Um, well, one of the first, I should say, sort of online, um, not professional relationships, but partnerships I've been a part of where I felt so genuinely valued and genuinely involved in 
all of the key decision making and all of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, and that that is what I think is really special about Jurassic Collectibles is it's not just David's channel and I'm there contributing to it. It's genuinely both of us have so much oversight of things. Um, both our opinions are valued and that's what makes it so special. So I'm so grateful to David for that and for his genuine approach to enriching the way we collaborate. Like I, I couldn't ask for somebody better to work with and hopefully that shines through in everything I've said. Absolutely, it does. Uh, and I couldn't agree more on both Brad and David, to be honest with you. Brad, like you say, is incredibly welcoming, um, inclusive and wants to bring people into the community and, and sort of spread the community out as far as he can, really, looking at all different parts of Jurassic. And he's a really nice guy. And, you know, I'm very grateful to him for, you know, allowing me to create content and it be put out on the Jurassic Park podcast. And, um, yeah, I think he does a, a really fantastic job. And also yeah. with David, um, you know, just a really lovely guy. Um, you know, I've been chatting to David for a while now uh, over Twitter and whatnot about different, our collecting and different things. And, you know, he, like you say, he j it just shines through his passion for the, the, the things he collects and his love for Jurassic Park, you know, just, just shines through. It does with both of them, actually. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, but two, two really, really great guys. Um, that have that had a big influence on my Jurassic Park collecting and my, you know, my love of the the franchise, my Jurassic obsession. Your <laughs> Jurassic, Jurassic obsession. obsession, and you, Tom, as well. Actually, I would say you've been a real help to me. Um, it, it, you know, it's well, I really appreciate everything that you've done. I and really appreciate it, that. You can. It's like you say with with everybody else that helps you with your collecting. You know, it's it's a really. I find it's a really inclusive, friendly community. You know. You, there's there's so many people that are really interested yeah. and into it and you see things go up on Facebook or Twitter people have questions or points of views and and by and large everyone's very complimentary or understanding or accepting of you know everybody's you know everyone has a different outlook on this franchise but everyone seems to but for the most part I'd say is very respectful yeah. and, and very kind to each other so it's it's a really good community to be part of I agree a hundred percent. It's it's a really fun place to hang out. Definitely. Br bringing it back to the the questions because I don't want to keep you forever, <laughs> and I've got quite a few more, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go into them. Um. So, ha has Jurassic Park had an influence on your life more generally? Yes, because it keeps me interested in creativity, um, right. and I continue to be so passionate about video and photography. And I think a large part of that is because of Jurassic Park. So, yeah. Plus, everyone who knows me, even my colleagues at work, know me as the dinosaur person and think about, like, the amount of times <laughs> I've had people say, I've, I saw a dinosaur today and I thought of you. It's just, it it, it has become my life, Bev. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think your surname is Jurassic. So it's like Tom <laughs> Jurassic. Literally, everything it I is, type, yeah. all right. Yeah, so you need to, like, you should get it changed by, you know, legally or something. I might do, yeah. Depot. Yeah, yeah just introduce yourself as Tom Jurassic and people will just accept it. <laughs> so how have your collecting habits changed over the years, if they have at all? Yeah, it's interesting. So actually in the past year, my collecting habits have changed quite a bit. Um, and that's just because I've hit the point that no collector wants to hit, which is I'm running out of space. <laughs> um, so I've sort of got a lot more picky. And initially, I was purchasing as many things as I could 
mainly so I could have things to review on the YouTube channel and, yeah. and sort of have an ongoing source of content. And now I'm being a little bit more picky, so I won't pick up a lot of the core Mattel line now. I mainly focus on Hammond Collection, um, Legacy Collection, those sorts of things. Um, and also with other things, I haven't bought every single Lego set. I've tried to be a little bit more restricted on that. Um, and other bits and pieces of memorabilia, I try to just pick things up now that really, really stand out to me and speak to me. So yeah. I've sort of gone from that model of running after everything and trying to get as much as I can to trying to be a lot more uh, curated and selective with what I'm buying now, which I think is a process that a lot of us tend to go through. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I've done the same thing. I remember when I first started collecting, you, I mean, I just eBay basically yeah <laughs> you're just flicking th and i literally goodness knows how many hours of my life have gone to flicking through ebay and you know you'll yeah. see some beaten up i don't know cassette tape or something like that and i'm straight in and collecting it so i ended up with all of these like just bits of stuff really they all meant something and i was really pleased to get them but i got to the point like you say where i was like i need to narrow down there's such a lot of stuff uh now more than ever yeah that, that really it's it's my tip would be well my the way i go about it now at least is i i try and sort of be more specific and try and stay with particular collections like i'm quite into art so i like the prints i like the limited yeah. prints or the signed prints stuff like that i enjoyed like the reebok trainers that came out a, uh, a couple of years ago yes things, things like that so i try and sort of stay to certain things because it's so tempting there's so much so much cool stuff out there um but yeah, if you can, if you can try and maybe narrow what you're collecting down, it definitely saves on space and saves the wallet as well. <laughs> yeah, tell me, that's that's a real kicker. That is. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just think, right, I'm going to hold back this month. I'm not going to go too crazy, and then bang, you you open up Twitter, there's 15 yep. pictures of something that's just <laughs> come out, and you're like, oh great, how yep. you can't not get it, can you? So then you find yourself. You know, adding up the adding it all up again, and before you know it, you've you've gone and bought it. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. I think it, I think it gets us all, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> Can you share any of your collection or your items that you're working on at the moment that that you haven't released yet? Yeah, go on then. Um, Give so... us something. Oh, Ben, you're you're going to get a scoop, my friend. Excellent. Um, on Jurassic Collectibles, we're currently working on a little series with our friends at Everything Dinosaur. Um, so we are doing a retrospective for Jurassic Park 30 that looks at the dinosaurs that appear in the first film, how cool. scientifically accurate they are, what some of the classic toys that were released looked like, um, and then what are some of the alternatives that Everything Dinosaur like? So for anyone who doesn't know, Everything Dinosaur are a big online uh, dinosaur shop that, no surprise, sell Everything Dinosaur. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they're a really, really cool team. I bet um, they struggled we'll with working... the name, actually. <laughs> yeah. So we want to sell everything for dinosaurs, but we just don't know what to call ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we've been working with Mike over there, who's incredibly knowledgeable about these animals. He's got such a grasp of the science behind them and the paleontological knowledge around them. Um, so we've been working hard to create some scripts that are really uh, rich and engaging for people. And I'm really, really excited to share more about that. It's kind of a little project that's Sounds taking great. away 
um the first episode i've just finished a rough edit for it and actually i'm gonna write down a note because i need to send it to mike after this episode <laughs> um but yeah we're we're slowly ticking away at that that sounds really cool because obviously you know the dinosaurs in jurassic park are, are based on dinosaurs but they've you know they take they take liberties like the dilophosaurus is a, is a good one to look at for example with the frill and the spitting yeah. So it's really cool when you get information about the what we know of the real life ones versus the JP ones and everything in between. So exactly. that sounds really cool. That, that, I'm that's, really that's excited. Idea. Yeah, no, I'm, I look forward to that. Sounds there you great. Go. You, you, you got a scoop then. <laughs> Absolutely, you heard it here first. So I, I really enjoyed your episode where you talked to um, Kevin Jenkins about the production yes. design on Jurassic World Dominion, uh, learning about all the work that goes into getting the production together. I, I yeah. wondered what, what some of your highlights from being involved with creating Jurassic content, people you've spoken to or things you've done, if you've got maybe a couple of things that, that, that are fond in your memory. Yeah, so oh, there's so much that really sticks out. I need to give you like um, 18 options per question. Yeah, you do. So I, <laughs> I think there's two things, and that is, um, so I'm going to, give you categories rather than specific things and that is talking to cool people which is always awesome so that interview with kevin jenkins was so much fun um and there's been so many other things that we've done over the years that i can't even remember at this point and that have just been really awesome opportunities and i'm always really grateful for them because it's really it's so surreal when you sit down and think this is something I really, really love and I really care about it. You're somebody who worked on this and you have that same level of passion, that same level of enthusiasm. And I'm getting to hear directly from you about how you made the thing I loved. That's such an awesome experience. And I can't yeah. describe how energized you feel when you get to have those kinds of conversations. It's really, really special. And I'm really grateful that I get to do those. Um, and then I think the other thing is meetups for me, actually, and getting to go to like events, for example, like the exhibition event, like some of the other events, and just getting to get loads of people in a space and get to hang out and know that there's that shared passion and that shared, can't get my words out now, um, shared enthusiasm for 100%. Jurassic is just so awesome. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I found particularly during the pandemic, I'd say, um, is a lot of kind of um, comfort in the community. And I think you get that sense of community so much when you're hanging out with people from it as well. So that that's really the thing for me is I think, you know, when I, I look back and say, for example, I look at that photo from the exhibition of us stood in front of the gates or I look at that photo from the first Jurassic World Evolution meetup where there's a bunch of us stood on the stairs outside the museum. I just, the thing that resonates with me is those people and getting to hang out with those people. And that experience is so special, I think, for me. And it's the, the kind of stuff that I really look forward to and I cherish a lot. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's so cool to get to do that. I was, you know, you're very kind to invite me down to the Jurassic World tour, um, exhibition, sorry. Which was which I loved. I mean, the event itself yeah. was fantastic, but the the true highlight was just getting me, to meet yourself and the other people in the community yeah. that was there. Like you say, everyone's so enthusiastic about it. Um, they all love Jurassic, and it's just it's really nice because you 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 know these people online, 
and you chat to them online and, and everything else. But to actually have that interaction and meet people face to face is really cool. Is it's there's nothing like it. It's so awesome when you think, oh, this is somebody I've spoken to for so long, and now we're finally getting to hang out. It's just really awesome. Definitely, I'm really grateful to social media in that regard. Actually, I mean, yeah, it's not great for everything, but I would say, you know, because we we're all living our lives and we're going about our daily lives, and we know the people we know. But to be able to connect so easily with people that are like minded um, and into the same things that we're into is is you know is brilliant really that we've got you yeah know, that we live in in this era and we can actually do that find find the people you know find our people basically i agree so much and it's it's something i've been reflecting on a lot recently actually so for anyone who hasn't heard me talk about it before because i don't talk about it that often i work for a mental health charity um and something i've been thinking about a lot recently is support networks and actually reflecting on those and i think so much of my support network comes from social media and comes from people in the Jurassic community so I think like you say it shows that actually there is that real positive from social media when you engage with things in a certain way you can get so much out of it and you get so um many relationships with people that really enrich your support networks and enrich the people you surround yourself with so I I think I agree that actually especially when it comes to this community social media is something that i'm very grateful for yeah i can relate to that as well with the support with what you're saying about a support network it, it really is comforting actually that you know yeah. you've got these these friends and and people that you can you know reach out to who all share common interests and, and like i said earlier everyone's very generous with their time and you know and very kind so it's really good it's a great yeah. community to be part of it is. So I wondered, sort of on the back of that, how do you feel knowing so many people enjoy your JP content? It's quite surreal. It's something I don't really think about at all. And I know that sounds weird, but I make content because I enjoy it. And because for me, it's something to do in my spare time. It's a way for me to continue to create with... Can I just uh, say, you must with... have a lot of spare time, Tom, because you put out a lot of content... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just um i i enjoy it i really enjoy the process you must literally enjoy... like create videos and stuff when you're asleep or something <laughs> i i do it's it's automated i have an exoskeleton that moves yeah. my body for me while i'm asleep <laughs> um but no, i i just really enjoy the process and for me it's been quite cathartic having something that lets me stay connected with so many creative outlets because my job has changed so much over the years that I don't do as much hands-on camera work as much um creative development as I used to so it's a really nice way to sort of keep myself grounded in my roots um and I I just like yeah I really enjoy that process I really enjoy putting things out there and then it's really nice when you get feedback on things so I think the the thing that really stood out to me recently was when I did that little 1993 style sizzle reel for the pop-up shop in the Natural History Museum. Oh yeah, um, that's cool. And then there was a comment on that where somebody said, this feels so nostalgic, it feels like a classic advert. And that for me is is kind of what I want when it comes to creating content. I don't necessarily think about, oh, X number of people are going to see this. I want to think that the content of that I'm putting out there is hopefully going to resonate with people and it's going to cause a certain feeling for them. It's going to make them feel happy. It's going to make them feel immersed within the franchise. And that I think is the really important thing to me. 
Yeah, and it worked as well. It did. It, it came across as really nostalgic. It was really good yes. to see. <laughs> it was really. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting down there. Actually, how was it? Because you know, I know you've been there in person, obviously yeah, to film it's, it. It's but... really cool. It's really cool. They've done a really nice job with the branding um, and making it feel nice and immersive. And it's just really cool um, walking into a space that has got so much Jurassic littered throughout it. Really. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a special space, especially if you're a Jurassic fan, it's quite nice to just have somewhere tangible where you can go and sort of soak up some of the brand image for a little bit and just kind of immerse yourself in it. Yeah, it, definitely. So for anyone, for everyone listening, it's at the Natural History Museum in London. They've teamed up, haven't yeah. they, with, with, um, Universal and done like a JP30, it's a, it's a pop-up shop really, isn't it? Yes. They're I'd... through to September. Right. Okay. I love the massive, um... I don't know whether it's wallpaper or digital display. I'm not sure with the Brachiosaurus. Yeah, just as you it's walk a natural like it almost looks like a painted mural yeah. when you see it up close, which is quite surreal that somebody might have painted that. Yeah, well, I'm definitely heading down there. I I, I recommend it to ever anybody that's in the UK, lives in the UK, or visiting between now and September. It looks like a it definitely looks like a work worth going down there. And they've got some um, collectible bits and pieces there that are unique to the partnership as well, haven't they? They do. So we took a look at it recently, actually, on Jurassic Collectibles, and they have um, some exclusive merchandise. I can't remember. Actually, no, I can remember. It's the Dinosaur Observation Group, um, which is what all of this merchandise is themed around. And there's like some exclusive pin badges, some exclusive iron-on patches, lots of really, really cool stuff, um, which is awesome. You know, I, I love the fact that there is stuff in my collection that has the Jurassic Park logo and has the Natural History Museum logo on it. That's such a cool partnership to me and it's something I've wanted for so long. So I'm really, really glad that they committed to doing something a little bit more unique for it. Absolutely. I mean, literally, they are the two logos to have on the same thing, aren't they, yeah. really, to be honest with you? Exactly, they are. Yeah, really, really cool. So I've got some quick-fire questions. So you're not okay. allowed to think and you can't ask for more than one Aunt, you know, you can't give more than one answer. You just got to go for it, okay? My stress levels just went through the roof. But okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So I've got um, favorite Jurassic Park or Jurassic World film other than the first Jurassic Park. Jurassic World. Favorite Jurassic Park, Jurassic World dinosaur. Oh bloody hell! <laughs> um, oh, it's got to be the T Rex. Favorite Jurassic Park character. Jurassic World Jurassic Park character. Robert Muldoon. Favourite Jurassic Park Jurassic World vehicle. I've got to say the Jeep Wrangler, because if I don't, you'll hate me. <laughs> it's a good answer. I've got to give you that. Okay, so we've got Jurassic World, T-Rex, Muldoon, and the, the, the Wrangler from the first film. Yes. Why Muldoon, yeah. just out of interest? I just... I've always loved his character. I, yeah, I don't know what socks. it is about Muldoon. Yeah. <laughs> All about those dunes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've just always liked him. I think I I like the idea that he is um, somebody who presents himself as being very knowledgeable about these creatures and then he gets outwitted by them. That just perfectly encapsulates our relationship with nature. You think you understand it and then it does something unexpected. Yeah. It's the butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah, you're never really in control. Exactly. Yeah. 
I agree. I, to be honest with you, he's definitely up there as one of my favourite. I, I, I have, I couldn't, I don't think I could even do the quick fire because I'd have to swap <laughs> between who I was answering for. But Muldoon is hundred percent up there. I out with this kind of stuff because I'm like, oh, have I ever said who my favourite character is in the past? It can change. There'll be like one person who's like, but in the past you said, and I'm like, I'm I know. sorry, I don't remember. It changes for me each time I watch it, but that whole sequence where he's creeping up down on his knees through the through the jungle yeah. there and he sits his hat down, I mean it's just incredible. You know, it's, it's really so good. well done. I it, it really is. And when it finishes up just with the raptor eye and the snake coming along uh, along the log there. Um and I mean you, just you know, that little that moment that he's done. Yeah. It's just it's just brilliantly put together. And again, you know, not you don't see a lot of dinosaur really. You feel like you see a lot of the raptor that that attacks him but you don't really when you even if you slow that up there's a lot of shrubbery and foliage in the way it's just so well put together um it really is it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire entire franchise so uh do you have any tips for anyone looking to get involved in the community or in collecting jurassic park yes uh, my tip is just do it just go for it Brilliant. At the end of the day, there is so much space in this community for people to share all different types of content. So if you are thinking about starting something, just do it and embrace it and start sharing it with people. At the end of the day, you can but try with stuff. Um, and, you know, you're never going to get to do it unless you put yourself out there. So just go it, go for it. Um, know that people will support you with it and just follow what you feel passionate about because if you follow what you're passionate about usually you'll end up finding people who share that passion and that's where i think community really comes into its own well said thank you really well said if there was another jurassic park or jurassic world movie in the franchise after dominion what would you like <laughs> to see i.e a prequel a side story uh, or leave it as it is does it have to be a movie or can it be a series? Uh, it can be, yeah, anything, any any kind of visual media. Okay, so what I'd like to see is a series called Tales from a Jurassic World. <laughs> um, so uh, on a serious note, I'm producing Tales from a Jurassic World because it is exactly what I would like to see, um, which is exploring more about the fallout between Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World Dominion. Okay. Now the dinosaurs are out in the wild, how does that affect everyday life? Where are changes happening in the ecosystem? What does the black market look like when suddenly dinosaurs are interjected into it? What does going out camping in the wilderness look like when suddenly you have to think about dinosaurs? What does going out on a fishing trip look like when suddenly there could be a mosasaur? Something I think you're very familiar with, Ben. <laughs> uh, there are all kinds of different scenarios that I think could play out really well in a serialized format. So I think that makes so much sense to me. It's obviously Dominion sets the stage for the idea that the dinosaurs have been in the world for a while. Yeah. There's been different <clears throat> encounters with them. The CIA have got their dangerous species division. So show us some of what they've been dealing with. What's led to that division being created? What happened up north? There's so many stories to be told there. I mean, that sounds great. It would do. It's it's a perfect gap to fill as well because there's exactly. there is quite a jump between the two, isn't there? And there's 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 a lot of scope for for different. Ex exactly. I mean, you Universal, can go all over the world, you, really, can't if you? If you want to take my scripts and repurpose them, I'm all ears. There we you go. Have my email address. 
<laughs> would you use um, existing characters that we know or not at all or sort of blend it? So I think blending it is the best approach. So okay. I very nearly said a massive spoiler then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging, I'm digging. Take, te- so with Tails, for example, the two main characters we follow and anyone who has heard the Halloween special will already know this are Agent Ben Morrison, who is voiced by Jared Ransom, and Good Agent name. Lucy Brown, who is voiced by Ashley Frill. Um, Lucy Brown actually being an actress who appeared in Primeval. Um, and nice. both of their characters are US Fish and Wildlife Service agents. So they are dealing with um, the fallout of things that our characters might have been involved in, um, but they're not directly dealing with those characters. Like or a Mosasaurus boat season... attack, for example. Exactly, exactly. Those sorts of things that just happen, right, Ben? Yeah. Uh, um, so they're not necessarily going to encounter those people initially. However, as they deal with more and more things in that world, one would assume that paths are likely to cross eventually. Um, so I think it makes sense to have some cameos in logical places where it makes sense for us to get more context on what characters may have been doing in the run-up to certain events. Okay. And I'll leave that to your interpretation. Okay, enough said. Listen out for the <laughs> for the upcoming stories to find out more. There we go. Sounds um, good. Don't, might, don't, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with something right here then. Are you ready? Go on. Don't miss the post-credit scene at the end of the season. Right. Well... What's that then? Te- <laughs> teaser. <laughs> Who knows? Now I'm really intrigued. <laughs> uh, I wonder wh- which way is this going to go? Who knows, right? I have no idea. I'm when... not the person who's written it. No? <laughs> no? <laughs> When's, uh, when, when will we find that out? Um, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, we should be releasing around April. So there's... Not too much longer to go. Brilliant. Look forward to hearing that. Can't wait. Can't wait for it to be honest with you. It's going to be really interesting to see what you've done there, Tom. Sounds I, sounds I'm great. Really excited to share it. Absolutely. That it, it it's a really good idea, and I think you you picked the perfect sort of thing really because Dominion, whatever you, people think about it, it did take us straight into, you know, we didn't get a lot of time before we were in Italy in the in the Biosyn facility, did we? Or we didn't see a lot of the dinosaurs in the world. Um, so, you know, the fact that you've explored that and you're going to look at the different species and different situations that might have happened is, is really cool. So I'm really looking forward to that. What is the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Holy Grail for you? So the, the item you would most love to own if you could right just Right now it's anything. the classic Kenner Kamal compound. And you're all, I, you're all gonna, about the compound, aren't you? I, I'm going to buy... I, I've just, So what I'm working on at the moment, I've decided that this year I want to build a little bit of an indoor photography studio. Right. Um, and once I do that, one of the first things I'm going to buy to shoot photos with is a Kamal compound. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Why that in particular? Just because it works with all the toys and the dino, uh, the figures and dinosaurs. You've it's got. just iconic, isn't it? And it is like it is the closest thing we've got to a in scale Jurassic Park. So yeah. just having like a building that's in that kind of um, architectural style that I can use for so many different things, it will be really awesome. Nice one. That sounds great. 
So my last question to you is, who would you most like to meet from cast or crew from any of the Jurassic movies? And what would you ask them if you had one question to ask? Um, I would really love to sit down with Colin and talk about the trilogy of films that he worked on. And I think my biggest question for him right now and is, is this like a question he has to answer? Yeah, why not? Yeah. He's, so it would he be... literally has to answer it. Okay, Colin, what happened up north? <laughs> is that as a scoop before your series comes out or <laughs> Yes, <not>? yes. <laughs> <laughs> or it would be, okay, Colin, what happened up north and how can I adapt it into a radio play? Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> He's got to give you the answer, so there it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me this evening, Tom. I really appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to watching out for what's next from Tom Jurassic. So, And I hope to meet up with you again soon in the near future. Likewise. Thanks so much for doing this, Ben. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for listening to the 351st episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. A huge thank you to Ben for hosting another lovely segment here on the show. Always love Jurassic Obsession. And I'm really, really looking forward to each and every episode of this because I know a bunch that uh, Ben has planned here. So I'm really excited uh, for you to hear the next one and certainly whatever else is down the line. I love this segment. I love diving into everybody's backstory, their histories, their collections, whatever it may be, and uh, just learning more about that Jurassic obsession. And today, thank you to Tom for joining Ben, talking about uh, all the work that has been done in the community, all the collecting and working with other people in the community. It was really great, too. Which I, you know, I know a lot of this history, but it was nice to nice nice to hear it there from straight from the source, straight from Tom. So thank you to Tom for another awesome episode here as well. And be sure to check out Tales from a Jurassic World, airing every other week here on this feed, but also on the Tales from a Jurassic World YouTube channel. All those links will be in the show notes. So please go check out all that stuff and check out Ben at Jurassic Site B over on uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that. So, uh, yes, so much fun stuff happening in this community. So many awesome people to work with. So thank you to everybody out there for listening to this one. Stay safe. Be kind. Let's continue to fight for representation, change, and equality in the Jurassic franchise. Sure. But more importantly, outside of it in the real world, let's continue to make this world a better place I'm going to go ahead and hand things off to myself for the outro. Take it away. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. Be sure to give us a follow over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod, and myself, at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram, at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So be sure to follow along. Also, don't miss our live streams, toy hunts, reviews, in-depth bonus content, gameplay, event and theme park coverage, and much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
We will read your reviews at the end of most episodes, so be sure to spare no expense. Find us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode's show notes, articles, contributor bios, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or send emails to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Make sure to be kind to everybody and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.